The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, I've got Jackie Ina. You guys know her, you love her. She is a YouTuber, entrepreneur, and co founder of Forever Mood. In this episode, we talk about how it really took her five years of being on YouTube for it to really take off. And we talk about her starting her own brand, Forever Mood, which is amazing. I love their candles and how being herself was the best thing she did for her career. Wherever you're listening to this episode, on your walk, in your car, in your morning routine, at home, if you could just please take a second to leave me a rating and review because it would mean so much to me. Um, So I really, really appreciate that. And be sure to subscribe to my podcast because I've got new episodes every Tuesday with people that I hope motivate, inspire you in some sort of way. So thank you so much for taking a moment to do that. And now let's hear from Jackie. So what were some of the early roles that you had that led you to where you are now? Hmm, that's a good question. You know how in a relationship they say you have to kiss a lot of frogs to get to where you want to, you know, to meet yes. your friends. I mean, I feel like my career and my just my life path is the same way. I mean, I started, uh, I've done retail jobs. I've worked food service jobs. I was a reservist. I used to work at Target. I used to work at a pizza. But like, I've, I feel like I've literally dabbled in every industry. I was also a freelance makeup artist. That was when, um, around the time when I started my YouTube channel, which was in 2009, when I really heavily, heavily got into makeup. But I really didn't pursue it because I, being from a Nigerian background, it's like for our family, like in our culture, it's like a prestige thing. So for a long time, even though I love being creative and I love artistic things, I couldn't really pursue them. I didn't feel comfortable pursuing them because it was almost kind of like embarrassing. Like everybody is going to know, like, I don't make a lot of money. And like, to Nigerians, that means something. Like, if you don't (laughs) make a lot of money, like, it's sad to say, like, that means something. And you know, your parents mean well, and they always want you to do well. So it was a lot of flip-flopping in my career. It was a lot of, like, deferring what I really wanted to do. But it really was just kind of by circumstance that I'm doing what I'm doing now. I feel like every door started to just close on me. And then it was, like, God's way of, I think, forcing me to really pursue the career that I'm in now because everything else just stopped working out, if that makes sense. For sure. And you were speaking about your family. So when you decided to go down this career path, did they push back from you wanting to be creative and artistic? So yes and no. There's a lot of overlap. It was like a lot of things happening at the same time. But for the most part, it's like they didn't really have a choice. I just got to the age where like they couldn't really tell me what to do anymore. So it was like, I mean, unless you guys are going to pay for my bills, then I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, or at least trying. Like, I I feel like doing what I'm doing now is one of those things where like, if I didn't really pursue it and at least give it a shot 30, 40 years from now, I know I would regret it. I know for a fact I would regret it. And so when you're dealing with that, whether it's like your family or friends or just anybody, how do you deal with people who doubt your dreams? You have to look at the pros and cons and you're like, okay, The cons are if I pursue something that other people don't understand, I might be talked about. It might be 
you know, humiliating. I might not have like the clout to prove to them. But then, you know, um, the other con is that if I don't pursue something that I really, really want to do, I'm going to look back and regret it. And so I had to decide like, which one do I care about more? Do I care more about impressing other people or doing what the hell I want to do? So it ultimately was just like a, like I had to give myself an ultimatum. Like you can keep trying to deflect and you can keep trying to do stuff that you don't really want to do to impress other people, or you can focus and hone in on your craft and you may not even make a lot of money and that's okay. But if you like doing it, so what? For sure. And I feel like when you started YouTube in 2009, it's not like it is today. There, there was no money. There was no like brand partnership. So how did you find the motivation to want to create video content genuinely just like as a hobby? So it wasn't really until I would say 2014. Yeah, maybe like 2014 where I really sat down and I was like, okay, girl, like you've already been doing this for at that point, like five years, that's half a decade. And I was, I still wasn't making a lot of money. And of course, when I started my YouTube channel, I had no idea you could even build a career. Like I knew people were making money, but I didn't know it was like serious careers. And so, yeah, it wasn't until like 2014. And I was like, okay, girl, like you've been doing this as a, a cute little side hobby and it's fun and you like doing it, but you've already invested so much. You might as well find out a way to get an, an investment from your return because you love doing this. And if you can make this an actual job, that would be nice. So at that point I had been creating videos for, like I said, five years and my videos were decent. Like they were okay, but I started to realize I wasn't really, one thing that my content at that time really lacked was that I, even on camera, I held back a lot of my personality because I knew that like, okay, my family and people that I know probably watch these videos and I don't want them to make fun of me. And I don't want, you know, like I want people to take me serious. Even though I'm talking about makeup, I want it to be, I had this obsession, Mariana, with like being taken serious as a makeup artist. And I had to like, I, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know why I cared that much because none of these people were paying my bills in the first place. But I, I literally was like, why am I just so like, why am I so serious in my content? Like, why am I not really being myself? So that was the year for me. 2014 was kind of like a game changer year for me where I literally decided I can still be a professional taken seriously and I can still be highly regarded, but why not be more like all of the stuff that I used to say in my videos that I would typically edit out? I just asked myself, like, what happens if I just keep that stuff in my videos and just show people more me and make it a little bit more personable, right? And so that was the same year I started doing that in my content. And I decided that that was the year I was going to really like fully take the mask off and do something a little bit more fun. So I did this parody video and it was right at the end of the year, like right before New Year. I think I launched that video on New Year's Day, if I remember correctly, 2015 New Year's Day. And it was basically like a parody video of me like making fun of all the makeup trends that had just gotten out. Because I don't know if you remember, but 2014 was wild. Like people were putting on makeup with frying pans. People were like color correcting their kneecaps. Like it was a hot mess. So I just made this video like basically making fun of all of these trends and wow. these techniques. <laughs> and that was the first time I uploaded a video. and it actually went viral. Like I typically, 
like a normal video, probably like 3,000 views. If it was a decent video, maybe 10,000 views, like over the course of the next couple months. So I uploaded this video, went to sleep, thought nothing of it. The next day, I want to say it had maybe like, God, I don't know, maybe like 40,000, 50,000 views. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but I still didn't think anything of it. So this video got tons of comments. People are sharing the video. They're like cracking up laughing like, oh my God, you're so crazy. Like, where has this Jackie been? Da, 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 da. Like it just blew up. And literally it went from like, I think 50,000 views the first day. The next day it had to have had like, I don't know, 200,000, 300,000. And like by the end of the week, it was at a million views. And it just took off. And that was the day that I decided, okay, not only am I going to keep pursuing this, like I'm going to keep, you know, take my YouTube channel and take social media more serious, but I'm going to actually like be myself and like inject more of my person. Cause I think that's what people like, that was the year that I realized like people don't just care about makeup. Like they care about me and why not show more of that? You know, like I've been so ashamed of my silliness, like I, I didn't get to embrace those things for so long. Might as well own it now. For sure. And I love your personality and I love like, so I'll like sit down and watch your Instagram stories, just like eating. And you're just like talking and I'm like watching 40 stories of you eating. Like, I just want to he- like sit down with you and it feels like a friend and we're talking, well, I guess we're not talking, but you're talking to me about something, but it feels like we're hanging out. And I feel like that's really what make- makes you stand out and like a sea of what now is so many influencers. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's something that I love because it's not forced. It's not, it, it just, it's something that just comes so natural to me because sometimes I feel like you can kind of tell when a content creator is not really like connecting with their audience. And for me, I always tell myself if it doesn't feel natural, then I can't do it. And so I think for a long time, the reason why I didn't really let myself be, be free in my content was because it didn't feel natural to do that. And that's something that I think people also don't really I think they underestimate like how difficult it really is, like turning on the camera and just being yourself. Like when you're not, <laughs> yes. I'm not an actor. Like I don't have a stage background. Like that's not something that to me is normal. So it took years to get to that comfort level. And that's something that I think people also need to like, I guess, be more understanding of because everybody says this, this influencer stuff is easy until they get in front of a camera and they freeze. You know what I mean? It looks easy. It sounds easy, but then it's like, yeah, it's not that easy. Like even when you're recording by yourself, it's like, okay, this is an adjustment, you know? So I even had to learn how to adjust around that. Even though I've been doing it for years, like I still had to be like, okay, like just do you, like who cares? If if you say something funny, you don't have to edit it out or you don't have to like be scared. Like there's an audience. It's literally just you and the camera. Quick break to hear from one of the podcast sponsors, which is Ritual. We deserve to know what we're putting into our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. So if you don't know about Ritual, they are clean, vegan-friendly vitamins that are formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms your body can actually use. So I started taking Ritual after seeing so many of my friends post and talk and use them. But why I really actually kept taking them was, one, it's really easy to keep in my routine every single day, an easy multivitamin to take. And then two, they actually taste good. I know with a lot of other vitamins, they might not taste so great, but this one almost has like a minty flavor to it. So what this is, is kind of like a multivitamin, but reimagined. A multivitamin should really contain key nutrients and forms your body can really use to help fill in the gaps in your diet. So they don't have any shady extras. 
Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. It's also made traceable. You'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they came from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. What you won't find in here are sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants. Plus, it's also got that fresh taste I was telling you about and delayed release capsule design that makes taking your multivitamins so easy. If you are ready to make healthy habits really easy, get the key nutrients you need without the BS, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Mariana to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash Mariana to start your ritual today. Now let's get back to the episode. There's so many people who want to be like you. They're aspiring YouTubers or beauty influencers. What advice would you give them for somebody starting today? I think it's always great to have like three people that you can kind of, you can kind of use as like a blueprint. So like, let's say I want to be, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not even, this is not a real example, but like, let's say I'm like, okay, I would love to be like the black Martha Stewart, right? Like you can be inspired by Martha Stewart, but don't be Martha Stewart because the reason why people follow her is because they want to see her. The reason why people follow Jackie Ina is because they like me. What I had to learn for myself over time is that trying to do what everybody else is doing never, ever works. And I feel like this is advice, not just for influencers, like this can translate to so many different industries. Right. But I think that sometimes people underestimate, like sometimes being yourself really is enough. Like some of the favorite creators that I follow, Redmond Rock comes to mind. Like he's just so authentically him and he's a hot mess and it's hilarious. And like, he don't even have to be doing nothing or teaching me anything. I just like him. And that's what I think sometimes a lot of creators get lost in trying to be like someone else or trying to do exactly what someone else is doing. And I always tell people first and foremost, make sure you be yourself. And I know it sounds like the corniest advice, but it's so true. And then now you are the Jackie Ina. So it's like everyone looks up to you. They want to be like you. But I feel like it's one thing to like get to this place, but then you have to maintain this, which is a whole nother difficulty of like staying on top of your game, your game. So like, how do you continue to stay consistent, keep it going? And like, what kind of pressures come with that much, you know, responsibility or or expectation? There's a lot. I mean, I feel like there's so much pressure to like, how to, you know, stay relevant, especially because like, I'm considered by most like an OG creator. Like everybody pre 2011 is like OG. And it's, incredibly challenging to be able to navigate, you know, all of the changing trends on social media, all of the different apps, because a lot of creators who started when I are very slow to adapt. So like, we love YouTube, very rarely expand to other platforms. And we tell people like, be open to just trying something new. I mean, the same way that I had to be open to trying something new in 2014 this whole like being more silly, more fun, more myself, that was something that I had to be more open to. And so one thing that I um, always constantly do is try to be, you know, open to change. I try to look at like, okay, what's trending? Like, I think it's just a matter of like realizing like I don't have to be on every platform and, you know, I can take every single trend. I, I mean, I don't have to take every single trend, but like I can take from it whatever works for me. Like TikTok, for example, is always kind of like, oh, it's only for kids. It's only for kids. And I always have, but then when I got on there, I was like, wait, there's like so much that I can learn from TikTok. So I started embracing it. I really heavily got into it. I'm obsessed with TikTok. I love it. 
and I'm almost at a million. And I didn't even really start like uploading seriously on there until like the end of last year. So it's crazy. But I think, yeah, I think sometimes we just need to like be open-minded to um, what's new, what's trendy and being able to adapt. Okay. So you've been doing this since 2009. And then last year you launched a brand, which congratulations on Forever Mood. Thank you. Yes, that is my baby. Okay. So for people that don't know, what is Forever Mood? Forever Mood is a lifestyle brand that celebrates Black women in luxury. I mean, obviously it's a brand for everybody, but really at the center and at the forefront of the brand, I really just wanted to create a brand where people got to see Black women at the center of wellness, feeling good, doing great things for themselves, putting ourselves first. Just because I feel like with other brands, it's always like, oh, Black women are the superheroes. And it's like, no, girl, like, I just want to do my sheet masks and go to bed. Like, I don't want to like save the country. You know, it's not my job. So um, our, our hero product are really our candles. That was kind of like the bread and butter of like why I started the brand. But I didn't want to just create candles. I wanted to create other lifestyle category products. So that's where we are. And it's it's my baby. I love it so much. It's incredible. And I remember seeing either pictures on Twitter or a video or something and like rows and lines and like tables of candles. And I'm like, go you, because this is incredible to be able to do this and to do this direct to consumer and to do it all yourself, which then comes with so many challenges. So now that you have your own company, do you feel like entrepreneurship is over romanticized? Oh, absolutely. I feel like people are obsessed with like hustle culture, grind culture, entrepreneur culture, start a business. I had to literally tell my followers, like, guys, please stop telling me to start a new brand every five minutes. Like, I get you guys love me. And I know y'all are happy for me, but it's not that easy. Like, it got, before I even launched Forever Mood, like, if I tweeted, oh my God, I'm so sad this shirt is discontinued. People would be like, start your own queen. And it's like, people, because I, and I honestly feel like it's like this culture now that, makes entrepreneurship look easy and it, they make it look like everyone can do it. And it's not that easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to not only start, but you have to fund it. You have to sustain it. You have to maintain it. And it's just like, it's not as like quick and easy as I think people assume it is, but you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. I love being able to like be at the forefront of the image that I want to create for people like me. And that to me makes it worthwhile. And also I like being able to create great products. Same. It's so fulfilling to like come up with an idea in your head and then make it. And then it becomes like a a tangible item. And then you see so many people order and use and love it and have it in their homes. It's just like, it's the best. I know. I agree. And I didn't realize how fulfilling that was until, you know, like I've done collaborations, but it's different when you're building something from the, literally from like inception to like, you know, ready to be bought. It's completely different when it's your own. So it's, it's awesome. It's frustrating. (laughs) It's, you know, insane at times, but I'm just so proud of what Dennis and I, my fiance, our co-founder have created because one, I couldn't do this without him, but also like, this is to me, like the kind of legacy you leave to like your future kids. Like, it's just so cool. Like, wow. Like I built a brand, you know, but I feel like it was always in me. So I'm going to take a break to tell you about one of our sponsors, which is Skillshare, which I really love because I really feel like every human was born to create. For me, creativity is something I do in my personal life as a hobby or my professional life for work. And whether the last time you picked up a paintbrush was yesterday or in grade school, you can really explore your creativity and be inspired. 
So Skillshare is an online learning community and it really offers membership with meaning. And that's what I love about it. So there's so much to explore because you can really work on real projects. You can have the support of fellow creatives and it really empowers you to accomplish real growth. So if you're looking to step up your Instagram game, whether that's for personal or professional, one class to take is portrait photography, shoot and edit Instagram worthy shots taught by Jessica Kobiesi. There's also another great class for YouTube success. It's all about scripting, shooting and editing your videos with Marcus Brownlee. You can also find classes in graphic design, photography, film and video, productivity, creative writing. There are so many classes here to take. So experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes that are really designed for real life. And it's also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. So if you guys want to try it, explore your creativity at Skillshare.com life and get a one month free trial premium membership. That's one month premium membership at Skillshare.com slash life. So if you are doing something as a hobby or you've already mastered something, now is the time to discover what you can make even better at every skill level. That's Skillshare.com slash life. Now let's get back to the episode. I think part of what people don't see is like some of the challenges that you have to deal with that goes on behind the scenes. So what are some of those things that people maybe don't see that you're working on and like the problems you're working through? I think the hardest part about um, having a brand of your own is like the stuff that as a brand, unfortunately, we will have to take the fault for, even if it's 100% not our fault. One thing that was our fault when we first launched was we struggled a lot with shipping because when we started the brand, you know, candles was kind of, it was, it was a little bit of a pivot for me. Like people, I, I didn't expect people to embrace it as much as they did because, you know, people know me for makeup. So we started with what I thought would be enough inventory to hold us over for a couple of months. And when we did launch, you know, that what was supposed to be three months worth of inventory sold out in like two hours. So we're looking at each other like, this is great, but like, what the hell are we going to do? <laughs> like, we cannot, we're just not equipped to ship all that product. And I never thought to like cap how much could sell because we like, we just didn't know, like, we really didn't think people was going to buy it that quickly. So it was insane. Um, it, it kind of created like a domino effect for us where, you know, we had a really tough time keeping up with shipping. And for the most part, like our customers were super understanding and very, very sweet about it which was great. And then fall, winter came around and we, it was, it was horrible. But this time we were dealing with USPS being like understaffed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody had the same issues. It was like everyone's packages. It was like a snowstorm was happening and then COVID at the same time. Well, yeah. I mean, every brand like from the, the forward.coms to the small brands like ours were all being affected by this. But unfortunately, USPS wasn't being blamed. We were. So, we, you know, we had to kind of deal with that. And that was definitely a little frustrating. But at the end of the day, like, I can't take it personally. So, you know, we had a lot of, we, we, we definitely took some hits with some customers. But for the most part, like I said, that was once again, another instance where people were understanding, like a lot of our customers were like, girl, like, you know, they would see customers like leave complaints about it. And they were like, I mean, to be fair, like this is an issue I'm dealing with from like other brands too, both high-end, low-end, years established and small businesses. So the most challenging part is we're being held to the same standard as brands who have literally been around for decades. And like Amazon. 
Exactly. And it's like, that's not really fair. Cause girl, like we're not even six months old yet. Like, come on, we're still figuring it out. And then we're at like the height of the holidays and we're, we just launched. So there's still a lot of like momentum there. So it was a lot, but everything, every single thing, negative and positive is a learning experience. So we just had to chalk it up as like, okay, well, we can't do this again, or we'll, we'll have to do this differently. So it was just basically rolling with that. Absolutely. And so that's a challenge, but a positive, I think, and a a thing that you love is the scent creation part, because I know how much you love your fragrances. So what is your process like of creating these scents? And you've come out with so many and then making them all unique and different. So I would definitely say I, okay, so there's a couple different ways that I choose the scents and I get into the creative vibe. One, it starts with the season. So when we're planning for like, let's say spring, then I start, you know, visualizing like what are the things that I like to be around and I like to smell during the spring months. Cause that, you know, candles are, are very much like they're a seasonally determined thing. So, you know, we obviously don't want to sell like pine <laughs> in February um, or in, in June. Cause that just wouldn't make sense. So I start with like the season I also try to pull from like, what do I want these candles to make me feel like? So in Christmas, for example, we wanted candles that people can kind of like nest and cuddle and burn by the fireplace. And we wanted candles that made people like the brand is called Forever Mood. So every single thing that we launch is literally a mood. It's not just about like, it's not just about like what the candle smells like. It's about what the candle makes you feel like in the moment. And so I genuinely try to think about like, okay, like what is the vibe? What is the expression? Like, or even sometimes I'll ask like, where where do I want this candle to take me? Left on red is like the perfect to me. Like I always think like Fiji or like Bora Bora when I'm burning left on red, like it's just so tropical and it makes me literally feel like I'm not at home. So there's so many different creative avenues when it comes to choosing the sense, but it mainly starts with like the time of the year, the occasion, and then how I want people to feel is kind of like what comes next. I love them. And I had Hey Big Head, like the whole holiday season, which just felt like so warm. The scents were so good. And what I love about them too, is even when they're not lit, they have such a great fragrance that it's still like is leaving my room so fragranced at the same time, which I feel like is a struggle with a lot of other candles. So like the level of it, which is, I know the levels of the oils that have to be in there, which is like the cost of goods for what it is to get it to be so fragranced. It has to have so much of it. So I feel like there's so much that goes into like the making of a candle that people don't even realize like how difficult it is to get it to smell the way that it does and burn the way that it does. Oh, absolutely. You know, just from like the ratio from like the fragrance oil to the wax, what type of wax, how does that affect the type of vessel that you're using? There's so much that goes into it. It's insane because you know, even how much fragrance you put in a candle affects burn time. It's a lot. And um, we always try to just, you know, well, first of all, we had worked with a, a manufacturer that had already been making candles. So they already kind of like perfected that process. So working with me, we did things a little differently, but the blueprint was like already there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then when you guys started this business, it's your your first company. So are there any resources that helped you learn how to create and start a business? Or is there anything that you can share with other people that they can use as a resource? That's actually a good question. I, I honestly wish I could speak more to that. I kind of, that's honestly more of like a Dennis question. Dennis is really the person who did more of like the executing and did more of like how to find the manufacturer, how to find like 
the person who makes the vessels, how to find the, the, the outer packaging. I mean, he did like 99% of that. And it's great because like I'm more of the creator and he is definitely more of like the executor and the businessman. So I don't know. I'm sure he definitely has some helpful resources that he could probably speak to. But yeah, for me, the process I would say was mainly creative. And one thing that actually helped me and to your credit is talking to other founders, you know, like pulling from my network and just like asking for advice, asking questions. Like you've been super, super um, like helpful in that. And I've, I've always felt like if I ever needed advice or help, like you were like an open door to that, which was great. And just, you know, don't be afraid to like tap into your network. Like I feel like that's first and foremost, always something that I'm going to do because if we can't learn from each other, then that's how the industry stays cutthroat. We need to be able to like learn from each other. You know, if I can avoid a mistake, I'm going to, if I can help someone else avoid a mistake, I'm going to give them advice about it. I want everybody to win. So it's like nobody, there's no one who buys and uses all things from one brand. Like everybody has so, even like on me right now, there's so many things from my skincare, makeup, hair, clothes that I'm wearing. So it's like, you know, I want everybody to shop and go into the same stores and buy from all of us. And um, I love supporting and helping other people. Like it gives me so much like joy. And that's why I love doing this podcast. Okay. I have to tell you about this sponsor because it's so amazing. It's a new service that I found called FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame all of your favorite things without having to leave the house. So if you are decorating and you want to add a gallery wall to your home office, or if you're looking to send the perfect gift from art prints to diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone, you can use FrameBridge with just about anything. So here's how it works. You'll just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they can send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces if you have something like a diploma or a card that you want to frame. And you'll preview your item online, and there's dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Then you'll choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their really talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. So instead of the hundreds you'd pay if you go to a framing store, their prices start at just $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my code Mariana. Order online at framebridge.com or you can stop by a FrameBridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York, D.C., Atlanta, or Philly. I just saw my dad recently for Father's Day and we took so many pictures. So I uploaded them straight from my phone on framebridge.com. And then I picked the Mercer Slim Frame because I thought it would go perfect in his house. Get started today, frame your photos, or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use my promo code Mariana to save an additional 15% off your first order. Go to framebridge.com, promo code Mariana. Framebridge.com, promo code Mariana. So one thing that I think you do a really good job of, which is something I'm mindful of too, is like the balance of like personal life, professional, and because you're working with Dennis, how do you have these boundaries between like work life and home life? So this is like where having a big team comes in handy because one thing about me, I could not do this all by myself. Like having two, two assistants, having a manager, like I am a big believer in delegating tasks. So if I know full well, I cannot do something. I'm not Dennis on the other hand, like he's a DIY guy. He's like, no, I can figure it out. I can learn how to code. I can do this. I'm just like, but the frustration that it's going to cost you when you don't get it done the right way, when you could really just like pay someone else that's really, really exceptional at that, that's what I'd rather do. So a lot of times I am just really quick to just find somebody who can help me do something. 
so that I can keep doing what I love because I just like making content, period. And, you know, it definitely is like I used to be such a control freak. Like I had to do everything myself. I had to edit all my content. Everything had to be ran by me. Everything had to be approved by me. But you know what? I had to come to the realization that like, I'm not going to really grow unless I relinquish some of that control and I let other people do what they're good at, you know, so that I can continue doing what I'm good at. So I guess to answer your question, I like hiring people to help me. (laughs) That's like the best advice I can give to people when and where you can. I know that's not always something you can do, especially when you're up and coming, because, you know, it takes money to make more money. You have to pay people. You have, you know, have the resources to even find those services. So yeah, in the beginning, you're going to be your your own lawyer. You're going to be your own editor, your own producer, your own photographer. You're going to be a lot of your own things. But over time, as your empire begins to expand, you know, find ways to collaborate with people who may not be able to be paid by you if you can't afford it, but you can do things for them. So it can be collaborative. Definitely. And how do you feel like, you know, been you've been doing this now for over 10 years. It's really, really different. So how do you think this online influencer YouTuber world has changed from 10 years ago to now? Oh my God, it's changed a lot. I do definitely worry about some of the negative implications about being an influencer. Um, just because, you know, I, I worry a lot about like, like how is my influence affecting people in a good way and a, in a negative way, if that makes sense. I think about that a lot because anytime I talk about a product or I review something, I always tell people, this is just my opinion. You do not have to agree with me because I want people who follow me to be well-informed. I want them to still be independent thinkers. I don't ever want my audience to feel like I take advantage of the influence that I have over them because that does unfortunately happen. Um, I've seen firsthand what happens like when you let that excitement of being liked by people get to your head and I just don't want any parts. <laughs> so I try to always like be mindful of that. And, and I, I definitely worry as far as like the climate of like where social media is going. Like I, I do worry about like whether that's going to get better or worse. And like on my own as in a very small way, I just try to do good the best way that I know how, but like, you know, I can only do but so much on my own. I know it's, it's, I feel like it's a lot of pressure. Now you've talked about it on your Instagram stories before, because it's like people are waiting for you and your opinion, like to, before they buy something. So they want to make sure that you like it. Yeah. And even sometimes it doesn't even have to be about a product. It could be something, it could be about something political. And it's like, y'all don't need my opinion on everything all the time. And you got to be okay with that because I don't want that much like influence over people to where they won't support something or someone, or they will do it just because they saw me doing it. And like, look, I know there's only so much, like I, I obviously can't control what people do or think, but like, there's a reason why, like, sometimes I just can't, there's some conversations that I literally have no business contributing to for that exact reason, because I know the influence that I have and I want people to be able to, you know, like make decisions for themselves on some things, you know? Absolutely. So I want to get into self-care because you started this new account, Lavishly Jackie, and I feel like your TikTok is a lot of this. And you've been so open, especially in the last year with like your workouts and the things that you're doing at home. So do you have any daily habits or routines that you do like every day? 
Well, first of all, I'm wearing my self-care club hoodie that I just got in the mail. Thank you for Thank sending you. it to me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, okay. So one of my base things, I talk about this a lot. The first hour of my day, I do not check social media. I don't care how trending something is. I don't care, you know, who's getting dragged or canceled. I'm not on Twitter. When, and like, as soon as I wake up, I grab my phone, check Twitter, check everything. Da, 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 da. I don't do that anymore. You know, I'm not on Twitter in the mornings. I'm not on Instagram in the mornings. I'm not on any social media platform at all. First hour of my day, because I started to feel like I would get on my phone right when I wake up and then I would end up in bed for like an extra 45 minutes doing absolutely nothing but mindlessly scrolling. So I had to stop that. So that's one thing that I take very, very, very seriously. It's just like giving myself the morning to just be me and my fiance and not inundated by like whatever mess is happening from the night before or in the morning or whatever. So that's the first thing. Um, Girl, me, my favorite word is me. Like my favorite word is me. My other favorite word is no. So if I don't feel like doing something, it's a no. Like if I need time to myself, it's no. So a part of my self-care my, my daily, like taking care of me time is like sometimes just turning my phone off and letting my team know, Hey, phone's going to be off. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to get a hold of me. I don't, I don't like being too accessible to people all the time because if you're too accessible to people all the time, they will expect you all the time. You have no time for yourself. So I, I understand that to whom much is given, much is required. And for me, like I just find, a, I have to find a balance because if I'm too overstretched in every single area that I can't really be effective to anybody. I can't even be effective to myself. So I like being able to just like unplug, detach, walk away, phone off, you know, spend an hour not checking anything at all, muting things. Like to me, that's number one, because this is also my job. So being balanced is very, very important. Same. I do no social media in the morning for like an hour, hour and a half until I do like my whole morning routine. And now I schedule one day a week, no social media, like all together. And so I just have it in my calendar on a day when I either know I don't have anything to post or there's nothing going on. It's usually like a Saturday or Sunday. And it's only been a few weeks now, but I really like it. And then the next day I'm like, oh, I didn't miss anything. And if I did, I'll just go look at it once I get back on my phone. Wait, that's really good. I'm going to try that. I love that. So no, like, no phone whatsoever, no YouTube, nothing. Nothing for one whole day on on the weekend. And I found that, first of all, you're not missing anything because everything's still going to be there the next day. And then because it's our job, I feel like in any other normal job, you would have two days off you know, on the weekend away from work. And for us, we've been basically on 365 for so many years. So at some point in time, you have to take days and time off from work. And I found that I got back on and I was just like, Remotivated and re excited and like ready to post because it uh, is really hard to create content every single day forever. And it's nice to just have a day where you are present with, you know, with you with Dennis or whatever you're doing or on the weekend or going to dinner with friends. And you can still take your pictures and your Instagram stories and then just like save them on your camera and then post them the next day. And then I feel like then you're more present in the things that you're doing. And so I've really been loving it. That is so, oh my God. Okay. You got me hooked. I'm trying that. I'm definitely going to find that. <laughs> Your followers are going to be mad at me. Like, oh my God, Jackie's not online <laughs> for a day. Sorry. Outside of that, wh- like what made you get more into self-care or were you always really into it and you just like more decided to share it like more frequently? I was always kind of like the pamper queen of my family. Like I was always the one that was like, like I put a little bit of extra time into my appearance. I like dressing a certain way. I like 
being done up. That's something that I genuinely enjoy. And by the way, that's something that I really want to stress is that I'm not a believer in doing something that's not authentic to you. Because I feel like when we talk about these things, the conversation always turns into like, oh, well, you're just doing that for the male gaze and you're just doing that to be perceived as... No, 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 no. Like I genuinely, and I'm putting on my makeup right now. I genuinely enjoy the process of being taken care of, being pampered, looking pretty, being pretty, feeling pretty. Like that's something that is 100% authentic to me. And so as I started to become more and more successful, I had to, I started to realize if I lose sight of like taking care of me, I'm going to go crazy. I'm absolutely going to go crazy because if I'm being pulled in every which way direction, and I'm not recentering myself to just make it, you know, call me a Leo, call me whatever you want, call me vain. But like, I have to have a moment of me every day unconditionally, you know, like that's just so important to me. So yeah, it's, it's always been in me, but it just keeps getting more extravagant. <laughs> like, I can't lie. It's just getting more extravagant because of what I do and like how busy I'm becoming. And, um, I just don't want to lose sight of that. I feel like that's what makes me special is like the fact that I love being pretty and pampered. Like, I love that. And like, I don't feel ashamed for saying that. And I don't think anybody should. No. And you are your job. So you need to take care of yourself. And then also I'm sure everyone's loving the recommendations of the things that you use. And I love when like, I see you in your bathroom and you're putting on all your things and you're drinking your Fiji water. And it's like, yes, I want to do all of these skincare steps with you and be drinking my water and taking care of myself. So my last question is, what is one piece of advice someone has told you that has stuck with you? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to say, this is actually financial advice. Somebody, and I think it, I think if it's great right now, cause you know, everybody talks about like flex culture online. And I saw a quote years ago that said, don't be the person with the $2,000 bag with less than $2,000 in it. And that just stuck with me. Cause I was like, wow, because there are a lot of people, and this is no disrespect to them, but there are a lot of people online who focus more on looking rich instead of being rich. And honestly, I did not care about looking rich. I wanted to actually be rich. You know, like that was, I wouldn't be able to take care of my family. Right. So instead of focusing on trying to portray something, I didn't buy things that I couldn't afford because I knew I couldn't afford them. Uh, I, di- I didn't believe in like saving for things that like, if I can only buy it once, I can't afford it. You know, like if I have to save for something, I genuinely cannot afford it. And I know that that might be like an unpopular opinion, but that's genuinely just how I felt. It didn't feel, it just felt weird. Like not being able to like being, telling someone like, okay, I bought the Chanel bag, but it took me like seven months to get it. I'm like, I can do so much more stuff with that money. You know what I mean? Like I would rather have done that. So yeah. And I think that's what kept me not only like relatable to my audience, because I wasn't pretending to be something that I'm not, but it saved me a lot of like, embarrassment of like, you know, buying things that I couldn't afford. And that's something that I think a lot of young people should focus on because we're so inundated with like images of like flex culture and, 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 you know, people showing off everything that they have. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of what you have, but sometimes that messes with people's psyche, you know, it messes with people's minds. So you got to be careful. Don't be tempted. Don't be tempted to fall for this stuff because some people are literally showing y'all things that they can't even afford themselves. So don't fall for that. (laughs) Okay, wait, I have to ask one more question. What's next for Forever Mood? Because I'm sure people want to know. Hopefully in the next couple months, making it more accessible to people. That's all I'll say. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. 
Saying a lot, saying a lot without saying very much at the same time. Definitely. Well, where can everyone follow you and buy Forever Mood? So everyone can follow me at Jackie Ina, literally everywhere. TikTok, the gram, Twitter, and on YouTube. And then if you like more lifestyle, self-care, pampered bouginess, you can follow me at Lavishly Jackie on my second Instagram account. Waiting for it to get verified any day now, hopefully. And then um, Forever Mood, you can purchase at forevermood.com. That's F-O-R-V-R mood.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.